Good evening all to the 66th session of the weekly huddle. I'm your host Anup and joining me today is my friend and co-host Praneet. We are cardiologists working at Care Hospital Banjara Hills. The huddle, as you all know, is an unscripted audience level interaction where we address common clinical scenarios that we encounter in our daily practice. The basic premise of the huddle is to bring our casual discussion into a more organized platform like this one and share our ideas. While we do want to talk about science and guidelines, with the huddle, we intend to help a physician translate established knowledge to clinical practice, taking local factors and practice patterns into account. Essentially, a more pragmatic way of practicing medicine in India. This is not a speaker and audience model, rather a casual interaction, which means any of the attendees can raise their hand or unmute themselves to give their input. As a courtesy, you should wait for others to finish before you unmute yourself. Uh, as I said, today is our 66th session, and uh, the case detail I have already shared on the WhatsApp group and on the invitation. I will uh, speak up, uh, I will uh, detail the case right now, and I will ask uh, my colleague Praneet to give his first impression, and then we will ask uh, our other attendees about their impression. So Praneet, this is your case only. I'm just going to read it out so that uh, the attendees get uh, <clears throat> well versed with the details. And then you can tell us your impressions, and then you can tell us uh, uh, what did you do uh, to this particular patient over the course of our discussion. So this is a 46 year old male. We discussed uh, this case uh, about two weeks ago, if I remember correctly. This guy works uh, as a commercial airline pilot where he pilots the usual uh, aircraft which carries uh, humans rather than goods. And uh, now he's joining uh, into a new private career, uh, private career. So as a part of this new job screening, he has to undergo a mandatory health screening, which is dictated uh, by the aviation guidelines in terms of what all he needs to do. In his routine evaluation, he was found to have right bundle branch block in the ECG, which he had previously as well. And as a part of protocol, because there is a right, right bundle branch block on the ECG, he was advised to undergo a treadmill test, which uh, he flunked. He could not pass the uh, treadmill test. It was reported positive. He went about eight minutes on the treadmill, uh, crossed uh, uh, stage three of Bruce. He had one millimeter of ST depression in the lateral leads at peak exercise, which resolved within two minutes of rest. He did not have any chest pain at that time. His Duke treadmill score was noted to be plus three. Because of this positive TMT, he was referred to a cardiologist for fitness to join as a commercial aviation pilot. This is when he saw you. This is when we were discussing about his details. He's otherwise a healthy 46-year-old male. He does not have any other medical condition. He is physically active. He is asymptomatic from the cardiac perspective. He is an active smoker, though. He has smoked a cumulative 25-pack years at his age. Uh, he does not have any family history of heart disease or sudden cardiac death, and he does not have any other conventional coronary artery risk factors, as you would put in, except things that we have already discussed, which would be his age, gender, ethnicity, smoking, and whatnot. He does tell us that five years ago, when he was joining another company, at that time also, an ECG was done, which showed right bundle branch block, which was followed by a treadmill which was reported positive and that was followed by an angiogram 
And that angiogram, he says, was normal, although he does not have any report that he uh, brought with him. The fact that he joined the airline industry and he was flying for the past five years, I'm guessing that his angiogram was indeed normal. So the discussion for today are, and this is something which is kind of offbeat for what we usually do in our practice, what is the basic fitness assessment one should do for pilots? Understanding that most of these guidelines come from, or I believe it will come from the aviation guideline directly rather than what me and you think. And I'm guessing for India, it will be a DGCA guideline that uh, I hope they have published at some point. I have not read it. If somebody knows uh, the DGCA guidelines currently, uh, please share it with us. So that is the first question. What is the basic fitness assessment that you, you think pilots should undergo from the cardiac standpoint? How aggressive should ischemia workup be in these particular um, job profile patients? How should we interpret a positive TMT in asymptomatic pilots? Is the interpretation any different than what we would normally do for folks who are not in high-risk profession? And then what other job profile we should consider as so-called high risk for whom the same standard should be applied as, as pilots in terms of the stringent criteria that pilots need to undergo for obvious reasons. Uh, any other job profile where we should think we should apply a similar stringent criteria. So a lot of points to discuss. Praneet, please walk us through what your thought process is. And then later on, I will invite you to also tell us what you ended up doing in this particular patient. Praneet, for you. Yeah. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, so this patient uh, came to me as mentioned. So when I uh, looked at this patient, uh, the first uh, question is about uh, fitness for um, his job as a pilot. Uh, now coming to seeing him more as a patient, uh, getting with uh, the treadmill report. So whenever uh, I look at um, treadmill, again, it comes back to okay, what are the symptoms of the patient and what was the indication to do a treadmill for this patient. He apparently was asymptomatic. He did not have any uh, symptoms and he did not have any risk factors other than smoking, which uh, puts uh, his pretest probability of having coronary artery disease as low. So to begin from there, the probability of having coronary artery disease based on treadmill also will be low so and the ecg changes uh, did not look uh, uh, significant to me to suggest a possibility of having any ischemia now uh, having said that now for clearing him for uh, his job as a pilot is a responsibility and equally because i will be liable uh, to clear his job i thought i could not leave at this point of time um, considering uh, the high-risk profession, uh, as I believe. So, and equally to satisfy mm, the authorities at his end, uh, that is where he was being referred to me. So, few other investigations to answer this treadmill was considered. That is where I discussed and uh, I thought uh, doing some other form of inducing ischemia was considered and I ordered an exercise spec for him. Now, coming to the questions of uh, today's discussion on uh, what is the regular uh, way of uh, giving clearance, the most important thing is about knowing at the risk factors and uh, physical fitness 
uh, and in the form of their uh, specific activity uh, whether they are able to achieve the five to seven minutes in their day to activities and uh, probably a basic ecg and echo are something which i do and treadmill if i think as a part of ischemia evaluation though i am not a very uh, <clears throat> pro in doing treadmill because of its low sensitivity and specificity the other question on um, guidelines of uh, clearing them i am not uh, aware of the other high risk professions which uh, may need aggressive uh, intervention again are someone where uh, not only his life but other people's life are at uh, stake um, something like uh, probably a crane operator or something like that or someone like who operates uh, other machinery where other uh, people's lives are also in at stake that can't completely correlate but maybe with a given situation i would try to look into it mm, so for him uh, i think there were some other investigations which were warranted and that is how i approach this case and with few questions i will ask you directly uh so question number 1 would you be comfortable uh, going on an airplane if you know that that pilot has tested positive in a tmt but cardiologist has cleared him with due course <laughs> maybe if i have seen him or i am the so called cardiologist i would be comfortable because i believe he has a low probability of having cid well yeah but that probability is very low where you find a pilot with positive tmt who has been cleared by you and is flying your plane the chances are that pilot must have been cleared by some other cardiologist whom you may yeah. or may not believe may have done a good job i don't know so uh <laughs> difficult question to answer but uh, i would take my chance i would still uh, get that flight take that flight sorry Okay second question which i think is relevant not just in respect to pilot but in respect to general cardiology that we practice a patient who have got positive functional test like a tmt mm. but a normal uh, anatomic test in terms of coronary angiogram or a ct or what not in your consideration do you think these patients are at higher risk of cardiac event rate so presence of a positive treadmill test in the form and uh, having an major um, coronary arteries epicardial coronary arteries being normal uh, can indicate a presence of an uh, microvascular dysfunction which also are uh, one of the predictors of future ischemic events but uh, the issue is about probably um, in the form of uh, having symptoms angina or dyspnea is there but uh, uh, in general looking at their fitness in terms of uh, threat uh, not clearing for uh, job or something i don't think uh, i will consider but maybe it explains his overall uh, uh, disease in terms of having microvascular dysfunction it can also have pain and dyspnea and overall prognosis may not be as good as patients who are having normal uh, tmt and normal coronary so i will clear him for uh, fitness if the coronary is okay even though his treadmill is positive 
Okay, Pranit, hold on to your thoughts. I'll get back to you in terms of the follow-up of this patient. I believe this patient's follow-up is complete with you. So we'll get back to you uh, on that. Srinivas, sure. uh, sir, I hope you got the case uh, details. If I can have your thoughts in terms of what you would do, just to brief you. 46 male asymptomatic, right bundle on ECG, positive TMT, normal angiogram five years ago. Clear or no clear? to go uh, as a pilot? Yes, Dr. Anup. Uh, I think most of the answers uh, given by Dr. Pranit are valid. He is uh, fit to fly, uh, fly the flight. The thing is, uh, it was positive only in stage three. And definitely there are no other symptoms and he has no other risk factors. Probably it is just a false positive TMT. And considering that he is a smoker, probably we can just do a lipid profile, check the HSCRP. If the HSCRP is high or if the lipid profile is uh, showing any abnormalities, we can put him on a high dose of statins. But if there is a remote possibility of a strong family history of coronary artery disease or uh, TMT, which was showing uh, ST depressions persisting into recovery, still doing a CT screening for calcium score, uh, would have been a uh, uh, better thing to do so that uh, we are more sure because uh, he is going to, uh, there is going to be a chance of having the passengers at risk. Not only the persons who are uh, flying a flight, even someone who is uh, going to drive a bus or someone who is uh, going to drive a train, probably the same can be applied to them as well because they're all in public transport. And before saying definitely they could go ahead and take their job, I think it's uh, definitely more correct to do uh, definite evaluation, at least in terms of screening calcium scoring before we clear them for uh, their job. That's what I would do. Thank you, Srinivas, sir. So one thing that I will add that is, you know, airlines, they work in a very weird way. They are hyper vigilant about uh, their, their air staff, so-called getting incapacitated to do their job because it's a big deal. So they have their own definitions. They have their own way. One of their definition is cardioactive drugs. I have no idea what that means, but one of their definition is cardioactive drug. And what, what that means is, uh, and, this, again, I have to look into details. If somebody has the detail, please feel free to share. Any person who is on a cardioactive drug for prevention of cardiac event in the future, that patient is, that person is unfit to fly. So if we do a lipid profile on this patient or if we do HSCRP on this patient, if it is elevated and if you put him on a statin, my guess will be, and I really hoped I could get a so-called uh, a medical officer who is expert at this in this forum, but I couldn't get it. Uh, to my understanding, if you put a statin on this patient, he's unfit to fly. He cannot fly after that. He has to be grounded. Same thing goes for hypertension management and uh, I believe few others because their idea is the so-called cardioactive drugs. If a patient is on that, if a person is on that, then they are unfit to fly. And then I'm sure they have their own cut criteria in terms of what to do next. 
so that whether they are unfit to fly permanently or whether they are unfit to fly maybe for a year or two and then and then get better i don't know but uh, the answer the way we approach these uh, medical screening for pilots unfortunately uh, are not the same as uh, what we are going through for uh, uh, for our routine people here so let me move on with our discussion. I will ask uh, my attendees for their thought. Let's see, Dr. Shankar, I believe you have definitely seen at least a few of these kind of cases where you are so-called uh, the medical officer uh, clearing these uh, high-risk profession for their fitness uh, to resume their work. How do you look at it, positive TMT? Do you directly just refer to cardiologists and let them take, take the call? or uh, you do something from your end? Shankar, sir. Uh, good evening to all. Uh, an asymptomatic uh, middle-aged man, smoker, and uh, air crew, uh, that's pilot, uh, when uh, exercise uh, stress test is, is uh, positive, uh, then uh, two things uh, come to my, my mind, whether it is a false positive, because in 5 to 12% of the men, uh, this is test test may be uh, false positive. Uh, it will be 20 to 30% even in women also. So here, 5 to 12% uh, false positivity there. And uh, he is still asymptomatic patient. Still, he may be arboring uh, silent myocardial ischemia with uh, occult uh, chronic ischemic heart disease that may give a, a true positive. So this issue will be settled by cardiologist only. I will refer it to tertiary care center to patient should undergo stress thallium or technetium M system EB that is a cardiolite gated spec scan or a tetraformin uh, that is a myoview uh, gated scan. So that uh, that will support if, uh, that uh, myocardial perfusion imaging studies that come negative, they come normal, then uh, uh, we can rule out uh, coronary artery disease. Uh, that is my uh, assumption because he can be fit for uh, uh, be a um, pilot. But uh, one thing we should remember, uh, if we go, to, go through the literature, the risk of developing a cardiac event, such as angina, myocardial infarction, or death, in men is approximately nine times greater. When the test, is, when the test comes abnormal or the test comes positive than normal. In, uh, during a five-year follow-up study, uh, generally, one in four men will suffer a cardiac event. So, this uh, guy is uh, at a high risk because though he is asymptomatic now, but uh, is a chronic smoker with other uh, atherosclerotic risk factors, when they predispose to the accelerated uh, atherosclerosis, he should be under strict surveillance. Every year, he should undergo uh, TMT and uh, Calcium, uh, coronary calcium score, if possible, coronary CT angio. And uh, the latest addition is a CT FFR, the 
cyanotic lesion is found in the CT NGO, then uh, we can assess the functional flow reserve. Uh, also, that uh, addition is there in the CT NGO in the newer versions, newer generations. So these uh, tests uh, will be done to find out because uh, this the atherosclerotic process is, uh, uh, is uh, progressive. And sir, one question to you, what I asked Pranith as well, you board an airplane and you find out your pilot had TMT positive, but has been cleared by cardiologist with due process. You feel okay? Oh, okay, because uh, this, uh, these studies I told now, uh, the myocardial perfusion imaging studies are normal. Then coronary calcium score is uh, uh, below 100 and the CT NGO and the CT FFR are normal, then I definitely I do go with him. We do actually, most of the times we don't know the air crew, whether what the diseases they are having, the medical conditions or the uh, cardiac conditions they are having. But uh, here, since we know that this pilot uh, is certified by the cardiologist that he's okay, uh, fit for uh, his duty, then I do fly. Perfect. Uh, sir, we will continue our discussion with my other attendees. Prashant, if I could have you uh, unmute yourself, I will read your question and I will try to address that, but I want your opinion on this particular patient. So the question that you asked is, what if this patient has a TICFA? TICFA is a thin cap fibroetheroma and decides to create trouble mid-flight. So again, for, for non-cardiologists in the audience, thin cap fibroetheroma are one of the morphological features of coronary plaque, which are considered vulnerable, which are considered as the nidus on which acute coronary syndrome occurs. And the way we diagnose TICFA is by doing intravascular imaging, either in the form of IVUS or OCT. There are two, three issues with this question, Prashant. One is uh, the way we diagnose TICFA is not yet standardized. That is one. And second, the correlation or the clinical outcome correlation of TICFA to coronary events, that also is not very well understood. And lastly, if you have a person who is being considered to be a pilot, and if there is lesion enough where you have to do intravascular imaging and define the plaque characteristic, this patient will be ground, this person will be grounded. No matter what we do, how we explore and all this, airline regulations in that regard is pretty strict. If you have any coronary lesion, which is 50% or more, in fact, uh, certain guidelines would suggest even 30% or more, uh, they will be grounded. Uh, unless they pass a functional assessment and whatnot. So I don't think a person who has a diagnosed thin cap fibroetheroma will be your co-pilot. That, that will never happen. So the question of that person creating a trouble mid-flight and having an MI, that will not occur uh, unless it is undiagnosed. A person with a vulnerable plaque is not is not going to be your pilot, that I can assure, uh, assure you. 
but I do want your uh, your uh, impression about today's discussion. This case, 46-year-old male, right bundle, positive TMT, asymptomatic, normal conries five years ago. Would you clear him? Would you not clear him? Would you do some other investigations? And would you be comfortable taking a flight with him being your pilot? Prashant. Yes, good evening, sir. This was just to stretch the discussion because I thought there was nothing else uh, which was moving around because all the, all of them were the same questions. So definitely I would clear this patient who has a normal angio five years back and now uh, probably a false positive TMT. Uh, and uh, if this patient was a diabetic or a borderline diabetic, and if the normal, many times are, you know, normal angio, but some cardiologists have the tendency to draw some plaques here and there. So if they were drawn in the, by the previous cardiologist, but reported them normal, then again, this patient will need an OCT to clear him off. Uh, because if it is an airline, if they require a, a cardiologist stamp and everything, if they go very by rules and regulation, then maybe I will have to do an OCT. But usually all this first is not required. I will usually clear him. Or if there is any doubt, then we can do a stress thallium for him or a CT angio. Um, and yes, I will be say I'll be boarding this flight. If this patient has been cleared by me, if I have seen him, then I have no problem in boarding the flight, sir. Perfect. Thank you, Prashant. Anybody else has got any thoughts about this case before I move on with further information? If anyone has anything to share, you are welcome. I'm reading Srinivas sir's question. Is the cardiologist accountable if he or she has cleared after a positive TMT in case of an accident due to MI? Has anyone come across any such case till date? Sir, I don't know of anybody who has come across such. And if anybody in the audience knows, please uh, feel free to share that information. What I can assure you is cardiologist does not have the accountability because DGCA have got or international aviation, they have got very strict guidelines neither a cardiologist is allowed to deviate from that guideline, nor he will be held accountable if he or she follows that guideline and something happens. The problem will arise if the cardiologist goes out of the way, does not follow the existing guidelines or overrides something which is contrary to the guidelines and overrides saying that, no, in my opinion, this person is okay. And there, if something happens, then I'm sure that that cardiologist will be put onto the trial. But most of the time, to my understanding, that will not occur because airline will not accept it. Airlines are very, very strict in that regard, that uh, things have to be followed in an absolute particular order. Now, having said that, uh, lately we have heard about how airlines work. We recently heard a story where a pilot was uh, tested positive on blood alcohol level on his way to flying, on his way to the to job. And uh, he or she declared saying that I have been drinking for God knows how many years, I have never been tested. Lately, we also heard a story about uh, one pilot who was flying on expired license for 20 years. We also heard last year or two years ago about uh, a particular airline whom when they audited, they found a certain portion of their certain percentage of their pilots did not meet the criteria of commercial pilot, but they were flying for so many years. So rules, regulations, guidelines, they're all there. 
but we all know that they are being flouted so many times knowingly or unknowingly. As a cardiologist, I think uh, we can put our recommendation and then the airline makes their decisions based upon their protocol. Now they may decide to ignore their protocol and just close their eyes and let the pilot fly. That is their, that is their decision. And I wouldn't be surprised if something like that does not happen. So long answer to your simple question. And the short answer is no, I don't think cardiologist will be uh, liable uh, provided he or she is following the DGCA guidelines. Okay, so any more thoughts about this particular case? Not what if, but this particular case. If not, then I will um, uh, go forward with the discussion. So Praneet, tell me what did you order in this patient and what happened following that? Yeah, so I, uh, I ordered him a exercise pick. So where I can uh, look at both uh, anatomy and physiology, uh, both in terms of his exercise as in uh, stimulus for his stress and look for inducible ischemia. And he underwent that uh, test uh, and he reviewed with me uh, with the reports. <clears throat> okay, and uh, share with us what happened to that stress test and uh, what, what was his calcium score and all those things. So he, he came back with that uh, spect image which showed an inducible uh, ischemia in the distal LED territory and other segments were okay. Mm, and um, that, that was the report which was said, which again was uh, not a full stop for me. It was a comma as a part of his evaluation. And as uh, it was a comma, it had, so essentially coronary artery needs to be evaluated based on this investigation. And I ordered him to undergo an angiogram again to kind of uh, give him an authoritative clearance for his surgery. Uh, he underwent a CT coronary angiogram uh, after discussing with the his uh, team as well. And uh, he got he reviewed with me with that uh, report um, two days back. His uh, CT coronary calcium score was 46.2. And he, his uh, major epicardial coronary arteries were all normal. No issues. Okay, so if I understand correctly, SPECT scan is positive for inducible ischemia and distal LED territory. CT calcium score is 46, which is less than 100. And a CT coronary angiogram, which is I'm guessing it's a high quality coronary angiogram, uh, was negative for any major or minor epicardial coronary arteries. Is, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Was there, was there any like moderate or mild disease anywhere or was it, was it completely normal? Yeah, completely normal. Never, ne, nowhere it was mentioned any mild or moderate. It was absolutely normal. So I'm guessing this calcium score of 46 probably were just specs of calcium, probably adventitial calcium, because if calcium is present, there has to be some plaque. So yeah. I'm guessing some adventitial plaque or something maybe. Right. Okay. All right. So we did, <clears throat> in the discussion, we had this question of uh, uh doing further investigation. So we have further investigation, SPECT is positive, calcium score is, is kind of low risk, but it's not zero. And the CT angiography, which is normal. So let me get back to my attendees again and see what, what uh, they would do. Shiniva, sir, uh, you have the information that you asked for. What do you do now? 
sorry uh, can can you just uh, brief me again dr anup yes certainly so this patient underwent uh, spect scan exercise spect scan i believe uh, with technetium and that showed uh, inducible ischemia in the distal LED territory ct calcium score was 46 following which a ct chondry angiogram was done and that was reported normal normal means no major epicardial uh, vessel stenosis uh, with right. the with the with the small calcium score that you got so now what do you do right i mean uh, it was all a distal LED lesion and no, there is no lesion there is no lesion it is just a speck which shows Okay. In the distal and uh, our CT coronary angiogram showed that there was nothing much. Yes, CT coronary angiogram shows everything is okay with very minor coronary calcium. And nor was there any anomalous course of the coronaries between pulmonary artery and aorta. No. In that case, I think we are quite comfortable, and uh, we are uh, quite comfortable in clearing him for the uh, his job. That makes our job easy, actually. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Shankar sir, you got the information. Anything you can add to this? This is uh, beyond my purview. <laughs> uh, okay, I cannot add anything. But uh, uh, since uh, uh, this uh, MPI, that is myocardial perfusion scan, uh, the spec scan shows a perfusion defect. The distal LED and epicardial arteries are normal. uh so only strict surveillance i need uh, i ask him because i told in the literature one in four men uh, they they will have a cardiac event at any any time in the five year of uh, period so he should be under strict surveillance beyond this uh, i cannot add anything uh prashant you have some information anything that you can add would you clear him not clear him spec positive ct normal uh, uh yes sir i would be more comfortable if he had undergone a conventional invasive angiogram but since the negative predictive value of the ct because it is no, absolutely normal is good so i'll go ahead and clear him yes so to my understanding and uh, pranit you can correct me if i'm wrong he was advised an invasive coronary angiogram but uh, he's referring uh, his his command hospital where you know all these airline pilots they have a command hospital uh, they suggested to get a ct coronary angiogram partly i believe because he already had a invasive angiogram done 5 years ago and that was normal so a ct was suggested this time ct was done and that was reported normal pranit is that the correct story yes yes i know okay all right Okay. Anybody else has got any other thoughts before we move on uh, for the discussion? Uh, Doctor Sandeep, we did not hear your thoughts uh, in today's discussion. If I can have you unmute yourself and share your thoughts about today's discussion, Doctor Sandeep. Good evening, Doctor Anup and others. Um, so. Uh, i think uh, appropriate uh, line of management was taken uh, only that yes uh, even i do agree with the invasive angiogram why because for a distal vessel disease uh, uh, because the perfusion imaging showed the distal vessel disease so uh, i am little skeptic about uh, uh, ct coronary angiogram but 
but uh, again uh, since it's a departmental suggestion that the city has to be undertaken then i agree uh, but otherwise i don't think uh, i can add much to the uh, discussion perfect thank you so much dr sandeep and uh, while i will continue my thought process about today's discussion if anybody has got any other thoughts questions or comments please feel free to share uh, so dr shrinivas sir he puts in his comment that yeah we should ask him to stop smoking i think that is that is a very relevant uh, thing to do because uh, smoking is an independent predictor of uh, plaque rupture and coronary events and uh, remember a pilot can get incapacitated not just by acs but even with stroke and what not so uh, quitting smoking is certainly a very good thing that this person should do and we should emphasize i i really wouldn't want to be in a plane where a pilot uh, smokes one pack of cigarette daily that certainly is something that uh, is not uh, worthy of it so two things that i want to uh, add to today's discussion and the rationale why uh, we chose this topic number one <clears throat> so airline accidents and airline events are probably one of the most studied events in the history of mankind there is extensive research there is extensive detailing that happens and there are so many rules that airline industry has uh, put on for us which while they are applicable directly to the airlines we can also learn a bit from from those uh, rules they are very stringent but uh, there are take home points so one one rule that i want to share with you guys uh, and the rationale of why we wanted to discuss this topic other than the fact that we should be aware of how pilots uh, are cleared so airline works on this rule of 1% what that 1% means is if you take all the events medical events which can make a airline crew incapacitated to do their job in the current era 100% of commercial airlines they have it they are manned by or they are operated by multi crew members for their pilot for the for their um, uh, in flight service for what not and all this so they have got a multi crew uh, system which means that if one member of the crew becomes incapacitated then there is enough of redundancy built into the system upon 35000 feet that uh, the airline or the aircraft will still continue to function so what their rule is that if you select your crew member who has got a event rate of less than 1% per year and the event rates i am counting those event rates which can lead them incapacitated either cardiac or or cerebrovascular or what not if if all the crew members have a expected event rate of less than 1% and zero we really cannot predict but if they have expected event rate of less than 1% then the true chance of the aircraft becoming incapacitated because of lack of crew is 1 in billion and when i say 1 in billion or 1 in 1 crore because there is very less chance that two or three key crew members doing the same job will get incapacitated at the same time 
if their event rate is less than 1%. So truly speaking, when we are evaluating these so-called high-risk uh, profession, then we should ask ourselves two questions. Number one, is he or she the sole operator of that particular machinery that we are talking about, in this case, an aircraft? If that person is the sole operator of that machinery, then 1% rule may not be applicable because 1% rule means that if he, if he or she operates that machinery 100 times, there is, a, there is a chance that one out of 100 times, he or she will become incapacitated. So that is question number one that we should be asking. Is he or she the sole operator of that particular machinery? And then number two, are we reasonably certain that the clinical event rate to make that person incapacitated is less than 1%. And if it is less than 1%, then we should be reasonably certain. Now in this particular case, the reason why I'm not very certain is because we know that if you have an abnormal functional spect, then no matter what is the epicardial arteries, they do have a higher event rate. Whether that higher event rate is still more than 1% or not, that I don't know. That for, for that to happen, this person has to be put onto a matrix of uh, um, uh, age-matched peer with smoking and risk factors and see where he fits into. But even with a normal epicardial coronary arteries, a person who has got a positive spec, and I'm, and I'm hoping that spec was a high-quality spec, um, that, that puts him at a higher risk uh, of uh, event. I'm not that much worried about the TMT positivity. Why? Because of the, main, of the reasons that Shankar sir mentioned. They have got a very high false positive result. But uh, SPECT scan positivity is one of the strongest predictors of clinical event rate. So that is my idea about this case, number one. Number two is if airlines are working towards an event rate of less than 1%. And if we know their algorithm, if we know how they came up with identifying people who have got an event rate of less than 1%, and if we can modify those algorithms a little bit and put it in our own practice, then certainly we will also be able to evaluate people or patients who are not in the airline industry but with a modified algorithm in a similar fashion, and we can be equally confident that when we say this patient has got an event rate of less than 1%, that has been well-tested, well-validated algorithm, rather than what our gut feeling would say, or rather than what one or two research would say. Because these uh, guidelines which have been created uh, in an international aviation system, they have been created by, by very robust data and very uh, significant clinical expertise. So those are the two takeaway points and the rationale why I wanted to discuss this case. One is to give you a concept of 1% that aviation follows and B, that to a certain degree, we should look at their algorithms because there is science to it. There is science to it and there is some understanding to it, uh, knowing that uh, they sometimes overdo uh, these things. So I hope it kind of made a little bit of sense of what, what we were trying to discuss. Uh, what I did not include in today's discussion is what happens when a person already has a cardiac event, like a patient who already got an angioplasty done or who had a heart attack or who had a bypass surgery. Now what happens? Now how do you clear them to be your pilot? And that becomes a little bit more complicated discussion 
so I did not put it in today's discussion, but if anybody has got any thoughts to share about that as well, uh, I welcome them in, in, in today's discussion. Uh, okay, so any questions, any thoughts, any concerns about uh, today's case? Does anyone think we should still ask this patient for an invasive coronary angiogram? Pranit, what did you do? Did you clear him or did you insist on an invasive coronary angiogram for this? No, I did not insist on invasive angiogram. I cleared him for uh, his job uh, as being fit to continue his job as a pilot. I advised him to quit smoking and because his calcium score was uh, high, uh, I started uh, him on uh, status and I asked him to quit smoking and I review uh, after six months. Now, do you know what happened when he went back to his so-called whatever command center or whatever there is a term for that? Uh, do you know whether he was taken up uh, for the job or you think there is something else going on? No, no. This happened only two days back, but uh, I'll follow it up and get back. Right. Because if you have started him on statin, then uh, to my understanding, he will be grounded. To my understanding, any cardioactive drug, if a person is taking, then that is assumed as if this person is at a higher risk of cardiac event than a normal person. And uh, uh, these people are typically grounded at least for a year, if not two. So we would be very much interested in knowing what happened to this, to this person when he went back to his uh, command center. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you on this. Okay. Now, if he comes after six months or a year, what, what are you planning to do? You will do another stress test on him or would you just do a clinical evaluation? A, a regular clinical evaluation as to how is he doing and any new symptoms or anything. Nothing active uh, investigation. A regular clinical evaluation. Okay. Thanks, Praneet. If nobody has got any other comments to add, may I ask Sumaraju sir for his opinion about this particular case and today's discussion that we are following? Thank you, Anup. Um, it was a very interesting and useful discussion. I, I agree with most of you, what all you said, but uh, I just want to add <clears throat> that uh, take away all those things. If somebody is actively smoking, Calcium score is not a reliable index of anything. For somebody who is actively smoking, is, uh, the risk of his acute coronary event does not disappear from the time he stops smoking. It continues until 15 years. And they have to be on antiplatelets and also statins, etc. Then uh, I won't get into the flight of some uh, an airplane where a pilot is smoking, then uh, uh, the airline industry, uh, the rules and all that, uh, we'll come back to that later. So the second issue is, uh, uh, if there's a family history of diabetes in this patient, the risks of smoking are even higher. So I'll insist on smoking, smoking, smoking. And uh, if somebody is actively smoking, a normal angiogram today, doesn't uh, prevent them from having an acute MI tomorrow. Be aware of it. And then uh, no risk factor evaluation helps in this uh, subject. But having said that, 
again being in healthcare industry we are evaluating airline industry be aware that uh, we learned the issues of safety in healthcare from airline industry originally the more than 15 20 years ago institute of medicine is called academy of medicine now they came out with a document called to err is human the number of patients who die in our <coughs> tertiary care hospitals in us is more than a lakh when they published it everybody was upset and angry and when they restudied it was found to be even higher than that and then we learned from uh, airline industry for safety you already quoted how airline industry is safer than even healthcare industry so people in healthcare now are talking about safety issues the airline industry congratulations for your uh, uh, say failing to forget where we stand in safety and uh, uh, having said that uh, the word used the sentence used in uh, uh, institute of medicine uh, is the number of people who die of medical errors in our hospitals is like a, a big jum- jumbo jet crashing daily it doesn't happen in the industry it happens in hospitals thank you if you doesn't smoke stop smoking nothing else helps and a calcium score angiography of any kind tested of any kind have no value it will take 15 years for his system to become normal and the effect of smoking to completely disappear and for him to be called as if he never smoked thank you sir before i let you go there are few questions i would uh, ask you directly and get your impression and i will not quote you but i will directly ask your impression if you were making guidelines for airline industry would you say that a pilot who smokes should not be allowed to fl- uh, allowed to fly yes i would say yes and then uh, second question is what would be in your uh, impression the best ischemia evaluation for for an asymptomatic pilot other than your routine clinical history and physical see if, if he is not a if he is not an active smoker may all the things that you all of you talked uh, stands to reason uh, so any of those tests can be chosen and uh, but if he is smoking none of those things uh, predict can predict i mean because the way i think is uh exercise or the tmt is such a and i don't have a better word for this that it's such a useless test in these kind of scenarios uh that uh, i personally think that if i have to do a stress test on a person who is pursuing to be a pilot if i have to do a stress test then i would at least do a minimum of a stress spect or a something like that so that it gives some meaningful information rather than doing a tmt because tmt or treadmill test is part of their protocol it's part of aviation guideline protocol uh i would i would think that if if they would ask my consultation in terms of what should i put in i would take tmt away completely and i would replace all of that with a exercise spect scan do you think sir that is an overkill Uh, or you think we shouldn't be doing stress test at all i'll put it this way if you, somebody is not a smoker has no other serious uh, risk factors um uh, say calcium score 
and uh, exercise uh, an exercise test which is negative and if we achieved uh, adequate exercise is very useful so the positive is not of great use in such a patient perfect thank you so much sir we have uh, four more minutes and we can uh, discuss anything else in this regard uh anybody else has got any other thoughts shrivas sir yeah and dr anup the positivity of her tmt depends on whether uh, the lesion is in the proximal lad or the rca proximal rca or lcx for a single vessel disease the positivity pickup rate is more for lad as compared to rca and lcx so just because the tmt is negative doesn't mean the patient doesn't have any obstructive coronary artery disease it is more positive if it is more proximal lad lesion or a multi vessel disease so just because tmt is negative we can't rule out a coronary issue right and i think that, that is where the pre test probability comes into play that if uh, you have a patient like what uh, somrajul sir was saying if you have a patient who is a non smoker and who has got no other uh, obvious risk factors for coronary artery disease if that person passes a treadmill test it is more useful than a person who smokes or who has got risk factors for coronary artery disease if he or she gets a normal treadmill test that still may not be enough as what you are saying that because they may still have disease which did not get picked up on a treadmill but if a person who otherwise has a very low risk then a normal treadmill adds more value uh, to the so called normalcy i still believe that uh, a person who has got a pretest probability of less than 1% to begin with a normal treadmill make keeps it at less than 1% like it doesn't make it less than 0.1% if unless there is there's some some data regarding it which i don't know but but uh, i would take that point uh, low risk patient with a normal treadmill is is a little bit more reassuring okay uh, other than pilots uh, pranit mentioned about uh, crane operators crane operators are solo operators so i believe they also have very stringent criteria because if they become incapacitated with a heavy payload sitting then it can be very uh, dangerous the other pilots like locomotive pilots train or uh, ship and what not they are also working at a, a multi crew model so there i think that 1% rule is still applicable uh, any other places uh, i can't think of uh, on my head yes air traffic control air traffic control is very important there also so if we get a if we get a person who works as a air traffic control so although he or she is a ground support but while being on the ground he or she is managing uh, uh, airlines which are up on the air so those people should also be followed with the same stringent criteria as uh, pilots themselves shankar sir uh, even the motor vehicle drivers also should be included in this high risk uh, profession because they also especially the uh, bus drivers also uh, should be taken into criteria uh, regarding the same criteria should be followed to Oh, even uh, bus loco this motor vehicle drivers carrying uh, commercial uh, so 
Shankar sir, it's it's interesting you bring up the bus driver story. I agree with you that uh, uh, people who drive a public transport vehicle like a bus or whatnot, I think they should also be part of this stringent criteria. Although I would love to know what do we have in place in India. So if anybody who is interested, who has got some spare time, maybe if you can do a little bit of research uh, online or offline, if you have any means and share with us, are there any existing Indian guidelines or um, road transportation safety measures where the drivers have to follow a certain rules? Like I have evaluated at least a few people who are pilots for a pre-job screening. But in my four year stint, I have not evaluated a single driver as a bus driver, as a pre-job screening. I have treated them for their cardiac ailments, but I have not come across uh, any, any bus driver who came to me saying that it is part of my job screening. So please do a health assessment to me. If anybody- Yes, sir. Uh, I, I'll add actually for some time when we were at Nizam's Institute, we used to see many patients from this RTC. They don't have any system. They have no system at all. Then uh, you realize uh, many of them uh, smoke, many of them have abdominal obesity, many of them have obstructive sleep apnea. So if you get into a bus in the night, be aware. Yes, so that is a scary situation. And uh, thank you for sharing that thought. Because Pranit, I remember you were mentioning a few months ago that when you were in your training, uh, people who would go to these uh, Amarnath Yatra and all these, they would come for a cardiac clearance. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, so while we are working in uh, being a student in Ismania, it was a routine where they have these trips that every patient who goes to Amarnath Yatra need to get a clearance from a cardiologist and uh, a, a kind of a government uh, doctor. So we were there at that time. So they used to have the same uh, profile of an ECG echo and treadmill and based on which they were uh, cleared for the fitness to go to that Yatra. <clears throat> so all of them had to undergo TMT, right? Yes. And what if they fail TMT, then, then what would happen? Then it's uh, to the, up to the discretion of the uh, cardiologist because uh, in Ismania, we do not have any other investigation uh, like an X-ray stress or uh, CT coronary angiogram. Either you have to do an invasive angiogram, which uh, most of them do not agree. So either you have to clear them based on the clinical assessment of their physical activity and most of the patients who can do, you do a, a treadmill or it's just clear based on ECG and echo. Okay, thanks Pranit. I, you know, it, our discussion, our today's discussion does bring up this whole gray area that we practice cardiology in because even the pre-operative so-called risk assessment and whatnot, all of this is based upon our medical insight to predict what will be the event rate on this person if that person has to do this particular activity like Amarnath Yatra or driving a bus or piloting an aircraft. And uh, this, is not, this is not very, uh, what I would say, objective. Uh, and I think a lot of this 
um, would be based upon our understanding of what the existing uh, regulations or existing infrastructure or algorithm or whatnot uh, is there. So as a practicing cardiologist, I think this is a very important armamentarium that we need to have, which we can apply to various of these aspects like Amarnath Yatra or bus or a locomotive pilot or a crane operator or uh, some policeman who is going uh, on a mission or an army officer or whatnot. So some of these things, I think uh, uh, we need to have a basic insight of how to so-called risk predict these people as compared to a general population where we are a little bit more liberal because we know if that general population gets a problem, A, it's a problem only for them and B, they can seek an immediate help as compared to uh, these high-risk professions. So I think this is, this is certainly an essential uh, tool that every cardiologist should uh, be well-versed with. Okay, we are 8.05. Any last questions or comments about uh, today's discussion? And I hope that 1% rule was helpful to our attendees. Maybe we can put it in perspective when we are seeing uh, patients for some other random stuff or even our routine life, the rule of 1%, where if the individual event rate is less than 1%, then the combined event rate goes down quite significantly. Uh, okay, if nobody has got any other thoughts, then Praneet, your closing comments for, for a few seconds and then we will be done. Yeah, so these are the cases which makes me uncomfortable because at one end, if you are uh, clearing them for surgery, you take the responsibility of his uh, future events and other things where it's a huge responsibility that you, be, you have to be really sure to clear him that he's fit for surgery. And at the other end, if you make him unfit because of any investigations, then am I the one who is responsible for uh, making him lose his job? So a tricky situation, which I feel very uncomfortable dealing with these things. And that is where has been brought up to discussion to know how others feel as well. And the discussion was uh, good enough where the the point which you highlighted about that 1% rule uh, definitely helps in making decision process, greatest probability. And uh, uh, Dr. Somraju sir's uh, highlighting about the importance of smoking where all these rules uh, will not apply when that one risk factor stays strong. So, uh, a good discussion and um, many carry home points uh, with this discussion that has come across. Thank you, Anup. Thank you, Praneet. Thank you, all of you, for attending today's session. Uh, if any of today's attendee is not a part of our WhatsApp group, may I request you to join for any offline suggestion? I have uh, shared the link in the chat box uh, today. All the sessions are recorded and they should be available on YouTube at some point. So you can go back uh, and listen to our previous episodes as well. Uh, we are 66 now. And at some point we will run out of ideas. So this is a natural progression. So I request my attendees uh, that please discuss with your friends, your colleagues and think, of, think over if you uh, have a topic either directly cardiology or even outside of medicine, something that directly impacts us that we should uh, discuss how to buy a car, how to do your taxes, whatever. Please share with us and uh, we will try to fit in one of the future um, hurdle discussions. 
we are planning to have a commemorative book once we hit 100 uh, episodes. And Dr. Praveen, who is not here today with us, has volunteered that uh, uh, he will help us uh, um, uh, compile the discussion that we had so far. I think this will be a very fantastic read uh, for anybody of uh, what cardiologists think and how do they make a decision, whatever they do. So thank you all for being with us for such a long journey. We will continue this for as long as we can. And we will see you next Wednesday with another topic. Till that time, if you can suggest us something, please do that. Good night and uh, have a good rest of the week. Thank you all.